Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall you be After you, Junior. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. Today we are talking about movies based on books. Should be a fun one. Uh, starting off, Mr. Payson back again. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, doing great. Uh, thanks, Bo. Uh, I don't read as much as I wish I did, but I like movies based on books, so this should be fun. That is fair. Garth, how are you doing today? Uh, not great, but I made it, and uh, I loved this topic because I'm a guy with an apartment full of bookcases. So That is fair. Uh, Kirk? Yeah. Books are fun. Movies are fun. Pull them together, it's a real chocolate peanut butter situation. So I'm excited for the show. Well, now I'm hungry for Reese's. Uh, Spelly. Yeah. Lots of people didn't know I could read. Uh, so now hopefully this will reaffirm their suspicions that I do, in fact, read. And no, I don't just read Harry Potter. Uh, so I didn't know you could read. Uh, there's a double reference for you. Anyway, we'll get started. Uh, first starting off with your favorite movie log this week, Payson, we'll start with you. What was your favorite movie log this week? Yeah, uh, I think my favorite movie log this week are just the one I really, really want to talk to more people about. I saw it last night. It's called Official Competition. Uh, this is a Spanish movie that came out, uh, I believe last year in Spain, but it's just now coming over to America. Uh, this movie is so, so funny. Um, it's about a rich 80-year-old uh, that decides that he just wants to start putting his name on things. Not necessarily make things, but put his name on things so that way people can know that he's responsible for them. So he decides that he wants to uh, finance a film. So he buys the rights to a book. Uh, gets a director who is not too expensive to get, but she is super, super like eccentric and artsy, uh, played by Penelope Cruz, who's amazing in this movie. And uh, the movie is about these two brothers, and the two uh, actors she hires to play the brothers are Antonio Banderas and Oscar Martinez. And both of those uh, two characters are so uh, like pretentious and douchey in their own unique ways. Uh, Antonio Banderas' actor character is much more like, oh, I want to be like the pretty man, like like the super hot guy, like wants to appeal to everyone. While Oscar Martinez is like, no, you have to be method. You have to dive into your character. He one of his one of my favorite moments in this movie is when he says he wants to win an Oscar just so that way he can reject it. Um, but no, this movie is so so funny. It gets into like it's all you're just watching the rehearsal process of this film. Um, the methods that, like, what Penelope Cruz does to these two characters is hilarious. I wish I could talk, I could go more, go more into detail, but there are so many, like, shocking and funny things that I don't want to spoil it too much. But, yeah, um, yeah, if you like movies about movies, I think this is going to be one that you are going to enjoy. 
have not seen this, but this has been on my radar for a while, and I really want to see it. Garth? Uh, yeah, mine is actually a bit of a controversial one. Uh, oh, no, really... Garth. I, Garth. Oh, 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 talk about his. Oh, I haven't Can seen it. Sorry. Okay, Scully. Uh, it's, I'm out of it. Uh, I, I took three years of high school Spanish. Probably still couldn't understand this movie, so. Fair enough, Kirk. Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but I like movies about making movies, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, since he was, I wasn't going to go to him next, but since he was so eager for his next pick, Garth, we'll go to you. You're okay. I'm jumped the the gun. Uh, but yeah, I went with the, uh, the 29th MCU movie, Thor, Love and and Thunder. Uh, it's, uh, a lot of people, uh, didn't like this and. I can understand the complaints about uh, too much joke, too many jokes, and uh, uh, CGI is is not the best, and you know the blue screens and stuff and stuff are not the best in some areas. But I still loved it for what it was. Uh, it was a fun ride, and uh, you know uh, Christian Bale I thought was a great villain, and I just I just enjoyed it for the ride it was, uh, and. Uh, I, I think on rewatches, people might like it better, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I watched this and I, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Um, it, it doesn't quite hit the highs of Ragnarok for me, but there's enough fun here. Uh, and I think Bale is great. Russell Crowe is a lot of fun. That it works way more than it does on uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, Scully, I know you've seen this. Yeah, I uh, I I really enjoyed it. it, it it's middle tier MCU for me, but it was still a fun ride. Um, I, I it, it it it's it's very much what Guardians of the Galaxy two was to, to Guardians of the Galaxy. So this movie is you know to Thor Ragnarok as those two compare to each other. Uh, more Taika going off the rails. Some elements uh, I felt I thought were a little bit rushed, especially in the first half. Uh, they really didn't give a lot of the jokes, a lot of the heavier elements time to breathe, so to speak. Uh, but once we meet some of these other supporting characters that we never met before, it really comes into its zone. And the third act is legitimately, I think, one of the best MCU third acts in a long time. Um, and I think the movie wraps up on a very, very nice note. So all in all, I like it. I'm actually going to see it again after we hop off this, uh, after we uh, finish this. So, um, yeah, it should be a fun time. Fair enough. Kirk, have you seen this yet? I haven't seen it yet at this point. It just I have to see it out of curiosity because so many people are coming up from so many different angles. And usually I can kind of hone on where I'm going to be based on what people are saying. But it, people are just over, all over the map on this one. So I got to see it for myself, see how it goes. Fair enough. Payson, I know you've seen this. Yeah, I I, uh, I saw this. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think this movie is flawed in a lot of ways, and I do understand the criticisms that some people have, but I'd also be lying if I said I just really love Taika's style with the Thor movies. I think the characters that come back in this one, whether it's Korg and Valkyrie, I love. Uh, like Garth said, I really, really love Christian Bale in this movie. I love Russell Crowe as Zeus. Russell Crowe is so, so funny as Zeus. And yeah, that, that third act was great. Um, as some people have probably said, the I think some of the VFX in this movie are starting to look a little cheaper than they have 
in other MCU movies, I think that's just a product of Disney spreading everything too thin. And I hope that kind of stops. But for what this movie was, I did really enjoy it. Fair enough. Okay. Well, uh, now we'll go to Scully. Scully, what was your favorite movie along this? Yeah, one? I uh, I rewatched a, a movie that I hadn't seen in so long, and I was and I did a double feature with that and its sequel. Uh, it's Blade Runner, the or the original Blade Runner. Uh, my consensus of that is I I do prefer this to twenty forty nine. Um, Blade Runner, I, 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 it, it's, it's, it's such a smooth story. I, I see a lot of criticisms on how it's like very choppy and it, like it, it's, it, it, it's really not. It's a very, it's a story on such a massive scale, but it feels very simplistic at the same time. Harrison Ford is, I mean, the early '80s belonged to him. The early '80s belonged to him. I mean, the '80s in general, I guess you could say, belonged to Harrison Ford. I mean, he eats this roll up. Um, I think everyone, of course, Rucker Hauer is, of course, fantastic. Um, I think his end monologue, we all know it. It's, it, it's incredible. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. It, give, it, it does world building the right way. Um, and it helps set up a sequel that is almost equal in value, but I still prefer the predecessor more. That is fair. Uh... Uh, yeah, I I dig the heck out of Blade Runner. I I really love the like aesthetic and tone of Blade Runner. I just love the idea of like doing like a Bogart style film noir. You can like smell the surroundings, right? Like taste yeah, them too. But giving it this, you know, kind of cyberpunk sheen to it. I I prefer the aesthetics of Blade Runner as opposed to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which does look cool. But I kind of like the gritty feel of it as opposed to the neon feel. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think Ford kind of is like uh, almost that, the, the, that era of Bogart in a sense. And I think as kind of that standard, I think that works. So yeah, uh, I, I do really enjoy Blade Runner. Uh, Payson, I know you love Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. This was going to be one of my picks for tonight, but uh, I'm happy going, now I get to make another pick. Uh, yeah, uh, this is one of my. This one of my no, you're 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 totally good. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I love the noir and just how like weirdly how like wet and like gross everything feels in this movie. Like you feel the rain uh, in the scenes um, that uh, have rain in this movie. Um, I love the character of Rick Deckard, how he just starts the movie so, like, robotic and so cold, like, oh, he just needs to do this job, and then slowly, as he starts learning more about the replicants, they help him gain his humanity. Uh, Roy Batty is one of the great movie characters of all time, as far as I'm concerned, um, and, yeah, his ending monologue with Tears and Rain is one of the great, one of my personal favorite movie scenes, I think, ever. Um, I love the Vangelis score of this movie, the production mm -hmm. design. Like Scully said, I love 2049. I would personally prefer this. Uh, I, I do still personally prefer this one. And yeah, this is my this is my favorite Ridley Scott movie like ever. I absolutely adore this movie. That is fair. Kirk? Uh, yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, I, like you guys said, I just love the edge it has to it. I'm a big fan of like dirty, gritty sci-fi. Where you get like the a lot of like the traditional sci-fi tropes, the technology and all that, but it still has a, just that like layer of film over it that's like kind of gross and feels like really lived in 
and like basically what it would be in real life because people wouldn't you know it wouldn't be perfect it wouldn't be clean it would be lived in and it would be you know all messed up uh so i really love just the world building this movie i think ford is great um honestly like i've lost track now which version is which and what happens and what so like i just watch it now and it's like whatever it is it is um so i don't have a preference as far as version um but i think i do like this better than 49 just because you know 2049 kind of uh you know stands the the rough edges off and makes it a little cleaner and just pair garth uh, yeah, huge fan. Uh, this was going to be my number one pick uh, to talk about later. So does this mean that's off the table for talking about later? Or? Well, it doesn't mean it has to be. Okay. You can, if you want to pick it, you can. You kind of. Okay. So if you do, you uh, kind of play your hand, but you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah, well, Payson said it too, but uh, but yeah, I'm a huge Humphrey Bogart fan. I love all his classic movies, and this was a nice uh, callback to that. And I'm a Philip K. Dick fan. I love all, all his books. And this bears very little resemblance to the book. Uh, anyone who loves the movie goes, reads the book, and goes, what the hell is this? Uh, but that's how it is for most Philip K. Uh, Dick adaptations. Uh, they're, they're usually nothing like the books. Uh, but for me, the, just the, the, the beautiful, uh, the way they use the models and, and the special effects of the time, to create the cities and everything uh it's gorgeous and you really feel that city that it's worn down and and people are escaping to get get the hell out of there uh and he's stuck there and uh i've got the uh the deluxe set with all the five versions and i like all five but you know uh the the final cut is my favorite um and yeah it's, it's a yeah. masterpiece Fair enough. Well, uh, now we'll go over to Kirk. Kirk, what's your pick? Kirk? Sorry, I was trying to... I, I couldn't get unmuted there for a second. Um, yeah, uh, my movie... Uh, my favorite movie is a title that I want to completely butcher. Um, it is... Let me go to my diary so I can at least look at it and see it. We try to read it right. Uh, Perigé Tamé, to me, to me, however you say it. Um, I know I've said it completely wrong. Kathy would kill me if she was here. Um, but uh, it's a basically it's a movie. It's 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 eighteen different micro shorts that take place all in Paris, and it's a bunch of big name directors, big name actors, uh, and I really I'm a big fan of micro shorts, short movies. Like around you know in my area they do a couple times a year at least before covid they used to do like short film festivals i'd go to those um i really love the uh just that art form because uh yeah however you pronounce that uh because when it's done right it's so short you know usually it's not longer than five minutes and there's not enough time to uh not enough time to really think about the story so they have to make you feel something and that's what every one of these these uh, shorts in this movie do. They all make you feel something. It's all about most of about relationships. It's you know uh, young couples coming together. Uh, couples have been together while figuring out. Older couples either trying to rekindle things or splitting up. And there's people who are alone. So it's like every like stage of life. And it's just really beautifully done. Uh, there's one uh, with Ben Gazzara and Jenna Rollins in it. Uh, that that's the reason I came to this movie. The reason I watched it was to see them. Uh, but it was just really awesome to see them together. Um, Alfonso Cuaron does one. Um, it's all one long shot, and it has a really like cute twist ending. Um, but there's a lot of just great stories. 
Um, and like I said, it flew by. For, for, uh, like I said, there's 18 of them, and almost eight, all 18 of them hit. Like there's no not any like real losers in the bunch. And for an anthology like that to work is pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, I was not expecting a lot of stuff. It would be like, oh, I'll like some of them, you know, it'll be they're quick, so at least I won't like them. You know, the ones that I don't like will be over soon. Um, but I had a great time with all of them. Uh, Cohen Brothers do one with Steve Buscemi. Um, Bob Hoskins is a really good one. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I, I'm only vaguely aware of this movie because I know the Cohen Brothers did a short for this. But yeah, I'll have to check it out then. Jason, have you seen this? I have not, but hearing that the Coens did a short makes me want to watch it more, and the way how Kirk described it makes it sound really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Garth, have you seen this? Uh, no, I think it's pronounced, pronounced uh, Paris at them, uh, but uh, I have not seen this yet. That's fair. Scully, I know you haven't. Seen I can't it. pronounce it, so it's a non-starter. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, imagine like this playing at a movie theater and just the people trying to see it, just trying. Oh to wow! Yeah, two for Paris, jet them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so now we'll get into my pick. Uh, I'm going with um, a film from the '80s, a different film from 1982. Actually, I'm going with uh, a Julie Andrews film uh, called Ju uh, Victor Victoria. Uh, if you're familiar with this, um, Julie Andrews basically it, it's kind of a, a, a more complicated plot than you expect because basically it takes place in, in France and uh, Julie Andrews is a singer who can't get work and she meets Robert Preston and basically in order to try to get work for them, they basically pass Julie Andrews off as a basically a man who is a female impersonator, and like so, like a, basically like a drag queen. So she is pretending to be a drag queen, even though she's a woman, uh, which I know is kind of overly complicated. But anyway, it, it's a really fun time. Julie Andrews is great playing basically. A character with so many layers. Robert Preston is great. Everyone in the cast. Leslie Ann Warren is really good. Uh, James Garner's really good in this. It's 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 a great cast. Movie looks great. It's Blake Edwards. Uh, did like Breakfast in Tiffany's and the Pink Panther movies, so he knows how to um, make a movie look great visually. Uh, yeah, this is really fun. I, I like the heck out of it. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? I have not, but I saw a lot of the log it this week, so it made me interested. I have heard that this was the movie that was advertised back in the 80s as this is the movie where you see Julian. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to stop. No, you're mixing it up with a different movie. Different so movie, never mind. Yeah, back. you are mixing it up with a different Blake Edwards, Julie Andrews movie, yes, so. Yeah. Okay, fair. Uh, yeah, no, you, you don't see that in this one. Uh, Kirk, have you seen this? I have not. Um, I saw it pop on Criterion, so it's on the list, but I haven't got to it yet. A lot of Blake Edwards on Criterion right now. Yep. Uh, Scully. Niet. Garth. Uh, yeah, actually, I saw it when it came out, uh, and I've seen it numerous times since, but uh, it's been a long time. Uh, 
but yeah, it's a it's a fun uh, comedy. Um, you know, like I'm not a musicals guy, but I still liked it, and uh, it makes for a good double feature with Tootsie. I think uh, you know this this kind of like person who's pretending to be someone they're not, and uh, it's it's a fun movie. That is fair. Uh, well, now we get into the weaker portion of the show. Your least favorite movie you log this week. Uh, Garth, what crap did you watch this week? Uh, yeah, I was doing a show about Carl uh, uh, Urban movies, and I, so I tried to watch a bunch I hadn't seen before. And one sounded right up my alley. It was about Vikings in North America and one of the bike in one uh, they leave a kid behind and it gets raised by north america you, you know uh, native americans and north america and uh uh and so it sounded right up my alley and then i watched it and no uh, yeah it, it was like the worst movie i've one of uh, i've seen uh it's <laughs> it just has no heart to it i mean even what's the name of the movie Garth? <laughs> sorry pathfinder Okay. I was playing Warzone for a second. I was gonna, I was gonna tell you the whole plot of the movie before I got to the name of it. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Carl Urban plays the grown-up version of the the Viking kid who's was raised by the Native Americans, and uh, he has to fight when the Vikings come back to invade again and stuff like that. And Clancy Brown is one of the villains, but. Overall, it is just a waste of film. It is it's not a good movie. That is fair. Uh, I have never seen this. I think I've vaguely heard of it. Maybe. Uh, Payson? I have not seen it. Kirk? Uh, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it'd be in the running for my least favorite movie dialogue this week if I did. That's fair. Scully? I've driven a Nissan Pathfinder. I haven't seen it movie. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, moving right along, uh, Scully, what was your least favorite movie you watched this week? Uh, I just finished it a, f a few hours ago, uh, Transformers Age of Extinction. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Um, it, the, 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 the script, honestly, it's kind of like someone just record a conversation between them and their teenage daughter who's dating an older guy. There's like about 25 references to the age difference in between Mark Wahlberg's yeah. daughter and the guy that, 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 that she's dating. Um, so that was fun to watch. Um, but like, you know, it's partially, uh, I wouldn't say saved, but like the, the, the redeeming quality is that you get to see Dinobots for about 15 minutes. Uh, and honestly, my biggest gripe with it is that they were featured so heavily in the promotional material, like when, when the movie came out. It was only for like 15, you know, 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, movie's not good. Um, lots of cool action though. Like, like the visual effects are honestly pretty cool. But other than that, it's a piece of shit. It's the worst Transformers movie, and I stand by that. Wow, a Michael Bay Transformers movie teases something in the trailer that only turns out to be about 15 minutes of the movie? That's never happened before. Nope, but this is the one that pissed me off the most. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've never had an attachment to the Transformers universe, so I've never been disappointed by these movies. I've just always been bored by them. It's just nonstop visual barrage of blah 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 blah. 
and and all of them are like that. So the, like one doesn't necessarily disappoint me more than the other, but this one is bad. Mark Wahlberg is really bad in this. Uh, it's not good. I should I should be careful. Mark Wahlberg has like a summer home in Iowa, so he could kill me. That's that is true. That is actually true. Home in Iowa? Legitimately. That's wild. Dude comes here like all the time. It's actually crazy. I don't know if it's summer or what it is, but I know he does have a house in Iowa. It's weird. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Payson, I know you've seen this. Do you like music? The Pill. No, this this movie is uh, a hot scene pile of garbage. Uh, I think I've never loved Bay's direction in any of these, but I think this is really the one where you can clearly tell he just absolutely stopped caring. Just could not give a shit less. Like, there's a scene in this movie where they have security footage, and some of the cameras are just green because Michael Bay forgot to fill in the green screen. That is how lazy he is with this movie. Like Scully said, there's like a five, there's like a two minute scene where a character tells you why him being a twenty year old is uh, legally allowed to be being a seventeen year old. Which yeah, great job, Michael Bay. Uh, they go they go to China in the last in the third act because that's what movies have to do. You got to go to China, got to get those Chinese dollars. Um, yeah, this movie's dog it's shit. Long. Yeah, Kirk. Uh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it the whole way through. I did have to like kind of spot watch it for a debate match once. And um, I remember all the stuff about the Romeo and Juliet laws. Um, I have a theory. Somebody found statutory rape loopholes on Michael Bay's Google search history. And he was like, oh, no, it's for a movie. And then it ended up in the script. I, 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 I'm pretty strongly convinced that's why it's there. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my gosh, Kurt! Oh my god, Garth. Uh, yeah, pretty much what they all said. Uh, and yeah, it's bad enough they've he's got a card in his wallet and everything. It's like, oh no, look, here's the law. So it, it's cool if I bang this underage girl. If you have to walk around with that in your wallet, I feel like at that point you made some terrible life choices. <laughs> it's like it's like, hey, write her the script. You could have just made her a couple of years older. <laughs> but no, nope. They gotta put that in there. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, just you know, none of these are that great, but yeah, this is the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Uh, so that's everyone for Age of Extinction. Uh, we'll go to me next. Uh, my least favorite movie that I logged this week. I didn't watch anything truly terrible this week. Um, but I, I, I will say that probably the like fine movie. This was actually, yeah, no, this was actually good. I would say this was a good movie. It was a little bloated, but I guess it gives an opportunity to talk about something good. Uh, this is a movie from the 60s. Uh, this is How the West Was Won. Uh, this is it's like a three and a half, so it's not like a bad movie whatsoever. Uh, it's a very bloated movie, which is intentional because it is a movie that is attempting to tell about 50 years, and it's a very segmented movie. Like, it's, it's basically five segments, 
and like a lot of segmented movies, some segments are better than others. The opening segment is awesome and got me really happy because the opening segment is like Carl Malden, Jimmy Stewart, um, Debbie Reynolds, Carol Baker, uh, Walter Brennan, and like that stuff's all awesome. And then you kind of follow basically Carol Baker or Debbie Reynolds and kind of see what she's doing. And then you go back and you see like what Carol Baker's doing and then like what her kids are doing. It kind of just follows that family. Um, and some of it works, some of it doesn't. But it's like the most objectively the most like stacked cast of all time because you've got like Jimmy Stewart, Gregory Peck, Henry Fonda, uh, John Wayne, Lee J. Cobb, Eli Wallach. I could go on and on here. So, like, it's an insane cast. It's it's really not a bad movie. I feel bad that I have to talk about it here because uh, I didn't really watch anything that bad this week. Payson? Uh, I've wanted to watch this, have not gotten around to it yet. That's fair. Kirk, have you seen this? I have not. I've always been interested in it cause, just because you said the cast. But um, the, the cast seems interesting, but the like you said, like the length kind of always is, is what's kept me away. So it's probably something to be interesting, but you know, I'll, I, I may get to it at some point. Maybe not. Scully? I think I've seen like a scene from this at some point, but not the whole movie. Garth? Uh, yeah, yeah. I first watched this back in the seventies uh, when I was a kid, and uh, I, I actually I don't know the last time I've watched it. It's been a long time, but I remember liking it. Um, but it's been a long time. Fair enough. Well, now we'll go over to Kirk. Kirk, what was your least favorite movie along this week? Speaking of Blake Edwards on Criterion Channel, I watched a movie called The Great Race. Um. Basically, premise this movie is it's a like real life Looney Tune cartoon. Um, those are great. Those are fun. They're five or ten minutes long. Uh, this movie, two and a half hours, um, completely overstays its welcome. Um, the it's really poorly paced. Uh, there are some funny bits in it, but even the stuff that's funny just goes on too long. To you, like okay, next thing. Um, I hear a lot of people compare it to uh, it's Mad 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 World. Uh, at least that movie has a much like a, a very big cast that's off do- different places doing different things. This movie is focused on four people uh, all going to the same places, doing the same things. So it's very repetitive. And like I said, all the bits are just, okay, what's the next thing? Uh, Jack Lemons in it. He's like, it, most of my laughs came from him. He plays two different roles. And it's like, it wasn't like the Pratt Falls or anything. It was just like his delivery of the lines or just like a face he would make made me laugh. Because uh, Jack Lemmon really can't do anything wrong, um, but the rest of the movie just it just didn't hit at all. Payson, have you seen this? Uh, I have not, but I've heard good things about it. So hearing like not so great things from Kirk is a little surprising. But at the same time, it's Kirk, so you never know. Kirk, you don't like it's a mad, 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 mad world, right? I think it's all. Right. I like it better than most people do. I think okay, I like it well, definitely. Like it better I than thought you did not like that one, so I can no. I can. Uh, Scully. Have you no. Uh yeah. Uh, oh, I haven't given my thoughts on it. It's been a minute since I've seen it. I like this movie, but I also don't know how set in stone that liking is because it's been a while since I've seen it. I remember loving all the stuff with Jack Lemon. Uh, because I think just seeing him play like a cartoon villain is like really fun. Uh yeah. Uh 
Garth, have you seen this? I have, but it's been many decades, and I don't recall much of it. Um, so, uh, well, now we will go over to Payson. Payson, what was your least favorite movie you watched this week? Yeah, like you both, uh, nothing really horrible this week. Uh, but I did watch The Da Vinci Code for the first time. And knowing that these movies were as big as they were, is it's not the most shocking thing in the world, but it kind of is when you kind of look at how boring I think this movie, at least the first one, really is. Uh, I described in my review, I think it's the best description. This is National Treasure on Ambien. It is the National Treasure movies where if you just took out all the fun and it's just exposition beyond exposition beyond exposition about the Vatican, about the Louvre, about um, about Jesus Christ. Um, nothing really like that interesting. Uh, Paul Bettany is the villain. He looks like a he looks like the lead singer of Evanescence, like with his like bleached blonde hair. Um, not the worst hair in this movie. My God, just look up Tom Cruise's hair in this movie. Okay. I have no idea what that what, what <laughs> a fifty-year-old man would think about having that hair. Uh, yeah, it's just not that interesting. It's not like bad. Like I would not say there's anything particularly like offensive in this movie, but I just didn't have that great a time. Tom Hanks's bear her hair is so bad. Oh, it's so bad. It is. It is very bad. Uh, yeah, this is one of those bad movies based on books because I I read the book and the the, the book is amazing uh, and the movie I don't know if it's really a book that could have been properly adapted into a movie without feeling like it was on Ambien because it's a very like it is very more like an intellectual book rather than being this kind of fun national treasure style thing. And, so, with, a book, and with a book, you can do that, but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I, I, I think this is just one of those movies that probably shouldn't have been adapted. Um, Kirk, have you seen this? I have in a uh, pace and spot on. It's, it's so boring. Like I'm, I, I never read the book and I remember watching the movie. I'm like, how, how were people so excited about this book if it's anything like this movie? Uh, the, the movie is basically feels like somebody read a Wikipedia article about everything in the movie and now just sitting down and making you listen to them talk about everything they read. It's just the most and, – and the stuff, it's, it's exciting, interesting stuff. And it's, you know, like you think you're going to get Indiana Jones. You think you're going to get all this stuff. And it's just like so dull and like they, they suck – like Payson said, every ounce of possible fun out of it. There's no excitement at all. It's just, it's so boring. Scully, yeah, I've seen this. Um, yeah, Payson's right. It, it, it's it's very mundane. It's just it's not a, it it's not as it was advertised. Really, like I mean, it was supposed to be like this next great epic adventure with Tom Hanks, and oh wow, it's awesome. Ian McKellen's in it too, and it's like. A, a huge a, a, everything but that. It's a, one of the biggest di, uh, one of the biggest disappointments I've seen from a, a movie ever because I was so hyped the first time I watched it and then I watched it and I was like, yeah, this is just not good. The fact that it's got two sequels is insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, Garth, you seen this one? Uh, yeah, um, I'm a huge Leonardo da Vinci fan, and, and when the book came out, it was, you know, bestseller and all that. 
So I read it and I actually got so angry at it that I threw it across the room. There was a, he's this, he's this world-class genius, uh, an expert in Leonardo da Vinci, but he's so dumb in so many parts of the book. There's, there's this five letter cipher. That's a word. And I figured it out immediately, but it takes him traveling the world in like 200 pages to figure out the cipher. And I'm like, come on, come on, figure it out. Uh, and so the movie adaptation doesn't do much better. It's this world-class genius who is, is pretty much an idiot most of the time. Uh, and yeah, not, not, not a great movie series. Fair enough. Uh, well, uh, now we go, or is that everybody for least favorite? I think so. Okay. Yeah. That's everyone for least favorite. Now we get into the meat and potato of the show. I think Tim thinks that I'm annoying when I say that, but I keep saying that anyway. So anyway, meat and potato of the show, movies based on books. Scully, we're going to start with you. What's your first pick? Um, I, I'm going to go with one. It was a book. Uh, it was one of my f- favorite books to read in school. And uh, then I watched the 1962 film adaptation of it and loved it just as much. To Kill a Mockingbird. It's my first pick. I think that the, the, the story is just so it's, it's, it's timeless, really. It's a, it's a, it's a great lesson in, you know, social issues and just sort of kind of taking a, a look back as to, what life was like back then and, and the issues that these people went through and seeing it through the eyes of this little girl who, you know, we're kind of absorbing all that information as she's absorbing it. And it's kind of, no matter how old you are, you know, you're sort of put into that frame of mind and you have to, to help to, to figure things out for yourself. That was, that, that was one of my favorite aspects of reading the book and then watching the, the film adaptation. And the film adaptation is fantastic. Gregory Peck, he absolutely kills it. Um, everyone else is doing uh, an inc- incredible job too, um, but yeah, I mean, there's really nothing much to say. But it's 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 a great movie based off of uh, one of the best books to ever be written, and um, it's I think it's required reading and watching for everybody out there, in, in my opinion. I I'm gonna repeat Cody's thing, uh, which is stop making kids watch this in high school. Because if you're not quite ready for it, it kind of ruins. Like, I, I get what you mean, Scully. But at the same time, it's kind of, I know a lot of people, including myself, who don't love this movie because I watched it in high school. And it was like a very, like, we we weren't properly set up for it. I really, I've been meaning to give this one a good rewatch for like the longest time. Because I know when I rewatch it, I am going to love it. Like, I, I know that, but I have not given this a rewatch. I really should. I, I think uh, it's because I watched it in, like, second semester, senior year, when, like, high school students were at their most mature. Yeah. Not, no, not like, very mature, but, like, at their most mature. That's fine. I watched this, like, I don't even know if I was in high school yet. I might have been, like, eighth grade. I don't it, know. It's senior year high school, I think, is the perfect time to watch that's it. Great. Anyway. Uh, Kirk. Yeah, I actually did watch this in high school, and I liked it, but I was a big nerd. Um, but this movie is great. The book is great. It's one of those things where, I don't want to say it's detrimental to the book, but where the movie becomes so iconic, like you can't read the book without you know, seeing, you know, imagining and hearing Gregory Peck in your head. 
Um, but he's so good in this. I always say, ever since I became a dad, like I, I hate this movie because Atticus Finch just makes all other dads look horrible because he is the perfect movie father. He's like has the right answer every time, does exactly what you do, and it makes me so mad. But he's so good. And like Scully said, the, the way they just the, the, the point of view through the eyes of the child and that like innocence understanding of kind of what the world should be and kind of just assuming it is that and then slowly finding out it isn't. Um, it's just so well done in the, in the, through the story. Um, and, you know, Peck gets a lot of the credit, but the child actors are great, too, um, you know, for, for these characters. Um, they're, they're perfectly cast, and they, they pretty much carry the movie. I mean, they're, the camera's on them most of the time. And um, especially, that I, I don't know her name, the girl plays Scout, um, just perfectly encapsulates the, the spirit of that character. Fair. Uh, Payson. Yeah, uh, like Kirk, this was one of the movies that, it like for me made me fall in love with movies specifically like classic film uh yeah i think this is such a great choice and i think one of the like pinnacle examples of taking a book taking the things that work from the book not taking everything and just making a super super well-crafted movie um gregory peck is incredible um I, I personally think it's a deserving uh, uh, Oscar when I've not seen Lancaster or uh, Lemon's movie from that year, which I also hear are great, but of everything I've seen, I do really, really love Peck in this movie. Yeah, like Kirk said, the, the child act actors are great. Uh, Robert Duvall, in it for one scene, but that one scene, he carries, like, such a presence. And, yeah, that that entire second half in the courtroom is such a great um moment in the i i, I don't even want to call it like a moment because it's like 30 45 minutes of of the movie but you are so engaged the whole time especially in atticus's final monologue um about the case yeah this is such a great choice absolutely garth uh yeah my mom loved this and so i i got shown it when i was way too young and uh robert duvalo's boo radley gave me nightmares uh, he kind of freaked me out. Uh, but yeah, it's a brilliant adaptation of a, of a brilliant book. And as, as Scully said, uh, it's a must-see uh, movie and a must-read book. Absolutely. Uh, well, now we will go over to Kirk. Kirk, what's your first pick? Your music. Uh, my first pick is a movie that... Um, I have our book. I haven't read, so I hope that's not cheating. Um, but I'm gonna go with the clock. I'm gonna go with the clockwork orange. Oh, um, I watched this movie. It took me a long time uh, to get to this movie, just because I knew in general what it was about, and I wasn't super comfortable with it. Um, so I kind of put it off. And uh, when I watched, I was just enthralled by it. Um, it is a hard watch. Um, it's difficult. There's a lot of difficult stuff to look at. Um, but it just also, you know, the subject that is hard. But the movie itself is just beautiful. I love the world building in this movie. Uh, you don't really feel like you don't get a sense of time or place. Like you think you're like it just set up like it's somewhere out of space and time. Uh, I just love like the idea of the gangs and the rivalry with the other gangs that fight they have at the beginning. Um, just sets things up really cool. Um, the language and I know the language I think comes from the book uh, and just the way they talk. It's almost like a Shakespearean kind of just uh, cadence they have and a um just a just just a, just a different way of talking again that adds to like the otherworldliness of it um and 
the, it, it is hard. Like it's very challenging. The movie, like I don't, I wrestle with it all the time and I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to, there's no easy answers. Like you see some very hard things and then you're asked some very difficult questions about it. And the movie does not give you answers. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think the ending they tagged, I don't know the exact story. I think they tagged the ending on that was in the book or vice versa. Um, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic movie. And like I said, I know it's not something you can sit down and just have fun watching. Um, but when you do, it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, this is this is one of those great movies I never want to watch again. Uh, this is this is an incredibly expertly made film. McDowell is terrifying. It's it's a completely engrossing, impressive performance. I have no desire to ever revisit this movie. I'm glad I watched it once. I I do not ever want to see it again. Uh, Payson? Uh, for the longest time when people ask me what was my favorite Kubrick movie, this is the one I would say. Now, I personally, just from the rewatchable nature of it, I do think str- I would now take Strange Love over this movie. But that doesn't take away from how good I think this movie is. Uh, the questions that you ask yourself while you are watching this movie of if you have the most evil, monstrous person on the planet, and you have, can you change that? And if you can, should you? Is one of the most like profound like experiences I've had watching a movie. I think the direction, just the production of this movie. Um, I think is incredible. McDowell is terrifying as the character of Alex DeLarge. Um, yeah, it is not a comfortable movie to watch, and I totally understand people saying they don't like it because of that, but you cannot deny the quality and the mastery at work with this movie. Absolutely. Uh, Garth? Uh, yeah, I haven't read the book yet, but I've seen the movie many times, and, uh, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a very disturbing movie, but brilliantly directed, and the whole thing with the uh, the milk bars with the drugs and stuff is is just very wild uh, sci-fi, you know, stuff. And and I get into it, uh, but there are certain songs you'll never hear the same again if you like picture scenes from this movie. You know? uh, and but yeah, brilliant movie, but yeah, rough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, oh, Scully. Nine. Fair enough. Well, now we go over to Payson. Payson, what's your first pick? Yeah, um, let's say you're a writer, and you're given a book, and you read that book, and you're like, how the heck do I adapt this book into a movie? Do you know what you do? You make a movie about how impossible it is to adapt that book into a movie. Damn right, it's adaptation. Uh, I adore this movie with every fiber of my being. Um, I just love how Charlie Kaufman is just putting every frustration he's had this point as a writer into this script. Uh, Nicolas Cage is spectacular as both uh, Charlie and Donald. There are parts of me when I watch this movie where I kind of love his performance as Donald even more just because Donald is such like a clueless, like lovable idiot, like making the most generic movie and just how like he presents these ideas to Charlie and Charlie's like, no, it doesn't work. 
and then those actually happen in the movie, which is uh, which I I personally think is a really really smart idea. Um, I think Meryl Streep is really good. Chris Cooper. When I first saw this movie, I I knew Chris Cooper was in it because I knew he won an Oscar for it. I did not know who he played, and I didn't know throughout the movie until I looked it up, and I was like, "Wait, that's Chris Cooper!" Because the makeup they're having him wear is so good. Um, the scene I think everyone knows with Brian Cox just completely like j- just like d- um, d- destroying certain aspects of movies, just saying how narration is the laziest form of storytelling. In this movie with narration, I think is just genius. Uh, Donald writing a script of the three is like, yeah, you know, we're just going to put like an action scene at the end. And then this movie ends with a really weird out of place action scene as you're watching it. No, I love the humor of this movie. I love the meta elements. I think it's one of the best um, adapted, like adapted screenplays, honestly, ever. I love this movie with all my heart. Yeah, uh, I I think kind of what you're saying, right? Charlie writes the first two thirds of this movie. Yep. Donald writes the last. <laughs> Donald writes the last third. I think that's so brilliant. Um, and because because Donald gives it the the Hollywood ending, I I do think this is a really smart meta movie. But even if you like, that's the thing is a, I do find a lot of meta movies get kind of caught up in their meta-ness and you're kind of not able to join that adaptation even if you even if you don't even register which i don't know how you would but if you didn't if you take that out of the equation i think that just at its core of a story of two brothers one of whom is more talented the other of whom is more positive and more optimistic and kind of seemingly able to see more. I just think the dynamic between Charlie and Donald is honestly just, I really like it. I, I really like their dynamic. Um, and yeah, it is kind of about them getting rid of Quinn, even though of course Donald didn't actually exist. And I, I think Cage is so good. He is so good in a way I've never seen him be this good before or since. Like it's, it's incredible. Best performance, hands down. Like, yeah. Uh, Garth. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, the, the book was the Orchid Thief, wasn't it? Yeah. And I haven't read that yet, but, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, and especially seeing Nick Cage act against himself, uh, you know, uh, more Cage, the better. Uh, and so him playing two, two people was fun to watch. And yeah, it was a very, uh, interesting uh, movie. Uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. Scully? Nope. Uh, Kirk? Yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. Um, I love the stuff between Charlie, Charlie and Donna. There's a real uh, like Amadeus vibe there because Donald is like just coasting so effortlessly through the life that, that uh, Charlie is like dying to have and what he, you know, the success that he wants. Um, and just watch him struggle with that. I just love how much of like reality is it like the scenes where like he's going on set for the filming of <laughs> being John Melkovich and like the actress of being John Melkovich are there are great. Basically the exact same thing you were Boatman. Like if you didn't know, like if you had no clue who Charlie Coffin was or what the background of this movie is, it's still a great fun movie on that level as well. And then you take it to that meta level and it's not so pushy 
that if you don't know, you're like, what, what, who are these people? What does this mean? Like, it's its own movie separate from that, but it also is fully contained by that. So I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I believe that's everyone for adaptation. Now we're going to my pick. Uh, I am going with a uh, film uh, from the 2000s starring John Cusack. I'm going with High Fidelity. Uh, this is based on uh, the book of the same name, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I know it's the same guy who wrote the book that uh, the movie Juliet Naked was based on, if you remember that movie, like a few years ago. But anyway, High Fidelity, um, I, I like the heck out of this movie. I, I think that I, I love John Cusack kind of reprocessing his life in the same way that he would process a song. I think that is so fascinating of this guy who loves music and just loves pop culture in general, kind of re-examining his life through that lens. I think it's such a neat idea and kind of going through and realizing kind of that he was the problem, I think is really fascinating and how he kind of built up all these things in his head. I think that's, that's really fascinating. I like the cast a lot. And this Jack Black just steals every scene he's in. This is the movie that made him a star, and for good reason. I love, I love the ending scene so much. Uh, with with let's get it on playing. I think that is like, because if you like now, like, and I wish, I wish I would have seen that movie before I knew who Jack Black was, right? Because like most people at that time, they didn't know who Jack Black was. So you see the movie and you think, okay, Barry's about to sing. Rob doesn't want him to. It's probably going to be terrible. And then Jack Black comes in with just an incredible rendition of Let's Get It On. Um, yeah, I, I I get not – this isn't for everybody. I like the heck out of it. Garth? Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful thing, uh, a wonderful adaptation. Uh, I looked it up. It's uh, Nick Hornsby is the, the, the writer. Uh, and he's had a bunch of different books uh, or adapted into movies. Um, but um, uh, what I really loved about this was um, it gets more into uh, the stuff than the book did about uh, the, the relationships and stuff. And, of course, they added, added stuff with uh, Jack Black improving a lot. But... Um, uh, the whole thing of like Alf, uh, you know, organizing his records by autobiographically. Uh, that's something that I had a couple friends do, where it's like remembering when you got the, into this certain album and stuff. Uh, and one of my favorite parts is the kids who are stealing records and they confront them and they wind up giving the, getting the kids a, you know, a recording deal. Uh, and you know, like you think they're gonna just get the kids in trouble, but instead they turn the kids' lives around. Uh, and so yeah, it's a brilliant adaptation. I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, uh, Scully. I have not seen it. Fair enough, Kirk. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this one. Um, I feel like this is like the sequel to say anything. Um, cause I don't like John Cusack's character in either movie. Um, I think he's kind of irredeemable with both. Um, it starts out and he's an adult man and he's complaining about like, he's like seriously still angry about a relationship from seventh grade. And I'm like, come on, man, you got to get past that. And then like the movie goes on and he doesn't really ever get better. 
Like I don't like see like the change in him. Like he says a few things like, "Oh yeah, I learned something," but like the behavior doesn't really change. And um, so I can't. I mean, he's he's meant to be likable, unlikable in a lot of places, and I just don't like him. And th- that really, and I, I love Jack Black in this. I think he's great. Um, but just kind of my disdain for the main character keeps me from loving this movie. Fair enough, Payson. Uh, yeah, this is not one that I've seen, but I love movies about characters that relate things in their lives to pop culture. So this is one that's been on my radar for a while. Uh, so yeah. That's fair. Knowing you, you'll dig this movie. You'll yeah. dig this movie. Uh, Garth, what's your first pick? Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, The Princess Bride. Um, I, I got uh, one of the movie versions of the book here. Uh, I actually first read this book when I was a kid uh, in 1974. Uh and really got into it and it's a very the the book by william goldman is a very unique story where his father read him this tale uh and so when he grows up he wants to find a copy of the book in a rare bookstore and then when he reads the book for himself as an adult he realized how much his father edited out of it uh as he read it to him uh like there's like six pages of the princess packing her her luggage and, and for you know clothes and stuff and things like that and uh so the movie adaptation which uh goldman wrote uh he had to filter it down and edit out stuff and so it's brilliant that he takes it into that with the the peter falk scenes where once again it's edited down and filtered you know through the eyes of someone reading it and saying, well, I'll skip that part because the kid's not going to like that. Uh, and just all the, the variety of the cast and characters, uh, I think they're all brilliant in their roles, especially Mandy Patinkin. Um, you know, he's, he's the standout for me. Uh, and it's, it's just a, a brilliant uh, movie. Yeah, Scully? Yeah, I love this movie. Um uh, just all, all the different crazy and unique characters that we get to spend time with. It feels so short, but, you, but even with that small amount of time that 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 that, that we spend with characters like Mazzini and you know the Count and just uh, and um, um, Billy Crystal's character, who I can't remember his name. Miracle Max. Miracle Max. Thank you. Like they all give just great small performances, and they're so memorable. And what is what makes the movies the movies so special. So I don't, uh, why, I, don't, I don't know why you guys are laughing. This is like the one movie anybody's talked about that I've seen. So it's a joke. No, don't worry about it. No, we'll tell you later, Kirk. Yeah, this is a great movie. Um, I've never read the book. I've always been interested because, like Gar said, like I want to see like how those meta elements work within the book itself. Um, but it's a great story. It just takes all the tropes and all like the, uh, you know, the cliches of the fairy tales and kind of turns them under the air, but doesn't like it like a, like a, a fun way and like a way that's still a good story. It's not just, Oh, look, it's not a pair. It's not like a mocking parody or something like that. Like it really has a real heart and real, you know, life of its own. Um, and yeah, all those side characters, um, and just like the different tasks that go on. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we'll keep what else you say about Princess Bride. Uh, Payson? Yeah, this movie is one of the most, like, easy to love 
movies of all time. Like it really, I, I know it's so cliche to say, but it has something for everyone. And like Kirk says, I love how like this movie is a fantasy movie. And it's definitely like, uh, like kind of spoofing the genre, but it is still a great movie inside of that movie. Like, the romance of it is inside of it is still really good. The action scenes are still really, really good. The sword fight between Wesley and Amigo is just excellent. Um, I love the uh, the scenes with the uh, R.O.U.S. I always have a lot of fun with that. Uh, Andre the Giant, just so perfect as Fezzik. Um, all the behind the scenes stories of him where you hear like he could drink 88 beers on the set and then just go and just do the scene just completely normal. Um, I love, yeah, this this movie is excellent. Um, of the legendary 86 to 92 Rob Reiner run, I think it might be my favorite. I would also agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, I think this is, like, like you say, it's the cliche because the movie itself pitches you on this being something for everyone, you know? Sports, true love, you know, miracles. Like, Peter Falk basically, like, pitches the movie within the first five minutes. Uh, and it's such a delight. I think the the Vizzini poison scene is maybe like one of the funniest movie scenes of all time. Like just, it, it is so hilarious. Uh, like his, his whole rant is amazing. I, I think that the, to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Payson, I think this movie represents the difference between tongue and cheek and being sp and spoofing or kind of you know making fun of something right because I don't think that Princess Bride is making fun of you know the, the stuff that it's referencing but it's clearly tonguing tongue in cheek and it knows that it's having fun. It's a very fun adventure movie. But it also feels very sincere about the stuff that's important. Like it, it, it does want you to care about the romance. It does want uh, you to get invested with these characters, and it fleshes out the characters. And everyone is great in this movie. Um, yeah, no, this this is absolutely like one of the most fun movies ever made. Uh, now we'll go to go back around to Scully. Scully, what's your second pick? Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a little movie based off a book that it uh, turned out two sequels. So it, it, the first one was pretty uh, successful. It's one of my favorite animated movies of all time. It's How to Train Your Dragon. And I actually, I've, I've actually also never read the book. I've been meaning to read the book for a long time. Um, so just going to admit that out there. But yeah, I, I absolutely adore everything about this movie. Um all, all, all the characters you, you just fall in love with. You, you you just love the relationship between Hiccup and Toothless as they get to know each other. Um, I think the the scene where they where where where, where Toothless sees him drawing uh, the the picture of him, and then he tries to draw his own picture, and then he gets angry when he steps on the lines. It's just it's just small moments like that that really make the film so unique from a relationship standpoint between. The, the 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 two leads and of course John Pell's score is one of the, in my opinion one of the one of, one of my favorite scores of all time um so yeah this definitely deserved a place on the list and it was pretty obvious for me yeah uh 
this this movie's a delight. I've watched this ever since been you know ever since I like was ten and saw it in theaters and and loved the heck out of it. And I, I still love it. I think that the world that's created is so nice. I like the characters. I personally prefer the second one, but that this one is excellent. Kirk. Yeah, I've always liked this movie. Um, and I I'm, I think I'm in the minority. I like this better than the, than the second one. I haven't seen the third one yet, but I like this better than the sequel. Um, I just, again, I love just the, the world it builds, all the different creatures, um, and just like the roles of what they are and what they do. Uh, and those flying scenes. I remember taking my kids to see this in the theater and just how that, that third act, those fight scenes are just so great, so exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't even know, um, I mean, I knew, I know now, but like at the time of the movie, when the movie came out, I had no idea it was based on a book. Um, but you, you can kind of tell cause it has that depth to it with the story and the characters and everything. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a good one. Yeah. Payson. Yeah. This is probably my favorite DreamWorks film. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love all the characters between Hiccup, uh, Stoic, um, Astrid. I love the best part of this movie is the bond between Hiccup and Toothless and all the scenes you see of him like training like that is why you go see this movie. The flying scenes are incredible Um, to steal an opinion from a popular online critic at the time. uh, I think this movie did 3D better than Avatar as someone who saw both in theaters in 3D. I think the 3D is just out of this world in this movie. Um. The one complaint I think I would say is, yeah, I still don't entirely get how the whole system of, like, the mother dragon, like, taking the food works, but I still think this is just such an excellent movie, and I, I'm very happy we got to talk about it tonight. Yeah. Uh, Garth? Uh, yeah, I really love the movie. I uh, have not read the book, uh, but uh, one of the things I enjoy uh, being a, a Scottish guy who's into Vikings is the Vikings all have Scottish accents. Uh, it's a, a fun little thing. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the world building in this with all the different types of dragons and different names and stuff, uh, it's, it's very unique. And as we've seen, they've, they've not only had movie sequels, but many, uh, direct, uh, to streaming sequels and, and shows and stuff. So it's, it's a big world to, uh, uh, explore. Yeah, uh, well, now we'll go over to Kirk. Kirk, what's your second pick? Uh, my second pick might be considered a little bit of a cheat because it's based on real-life events, uh, but it's credited as being based on a uh, – the story is credited as being based on a book. Uh, I'm going to go with Lincoln. Um, it's based on uh, the book Team of Rivals. This one I have read, and um, it's honestly like the book's 500 pages, and the story of this movie is taken from maybe like 10 of those pages. Um, the book covers a lot. Um, the actual story, the characters and stuff are, come from it too, but the actual story of the past 13th Amendment isn't that much of a book. Um, but I really love this movie. Um, it's not, I don't consider it a biopic because it's not really about Lincoln's life. It's just about this one event in, you know, this pivotal event in his presidency. Uh, and I, I'm, a, I'm very interested in things in history that we've kind of canonized and we look at as foregone, conclu- having been foregone conclusions and, um, look at them and seeing how close it was to not happening or how, you know, you know, how many people were against it or didn't want it to happen. Um, and that's what really fascinates me about this story is just how the, the work that it went to it kind of like using politics uh, or like the machinations of politics for good. 
Uh, I just love like uh, James Spader's character and like how he's like Lincoln's arm to do like all the illegal stuff that Lincoln can't be involved with. But you got to, you know, you got, he's doing the dirty work to get it done. Um, I just love like Tommy Lee Jones' character, how he looks at it as a moral issue and like Lincoln has, is forced to look at it as a political issue to get it passed through, you know, the Congress. Um, I just love, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stahlberg's in this and just his character's little arc and him at the end and um, how he's, you know, like just the change that he makes. Um, there's just so many little great moments in this movie. It's, 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 it's really interesting. Um, it's really well made. And then there's Daniel Day-Lewis's performance. Um, you know, you see people play, got you know, historical figures. You know, you see a guy in a, in a George Washington wig, and you're like, okay, he's George Washington, and you know, I'll accept that for the movie. But you never really think of him as George Washington. Daniel Day Lewis becomes Abraham Lincoln. You know, it's like he took like he, he kind of took like everything we think about Lincoln in our collective consciousness, and you know, filled it in basically with you know frog DNA, so to speak, and brought Lincoln back to life. Um, and just the way he fully formed that character. My favorite part of the movie is when he's sitting there with all his men and he tells a joke about the painting of George Washington in the bathroom and just like them all just laughing about it. And just like, he's like, I love that joke. Just like they, he makes him so human to the point, like the, you, the movie's coming to the end, you know, it's happy. You're like, Oh no, I don't want this to happen. And like, you, you know, Lincoln's going to die. Like that's who Lincoln is. He dies. But like, you're so sad to this movie because of how much connection you've had to this character. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. I think, you know, Day Lewis, def- this is my favorite movie the, that year. Um, I think Day Lewis ran away with that Oscar, there's no question. Um, but yeah, this is just really great movie uh, based on a really good book. Yeah, uh, I this is one of those movies that every time like I hear people talk about it, I'm like, man, maybe I should revisit Lincoln because it's what well, I've seen it twice, and I think. Both times, I just haven't given this enough of a fair shot. And I, re- I really want to give this another fair shot because I, I think my brain just kind of puts it in with a lot of, unfairly so, puts it in with a lot of the, the biopics that are just kind of on autopilot. And I, I really shouldn't. So I, I want to give this one another reason. Uh, Garth? Uh, yeah, I, I like the movie. I have not read the book that uh, Kirk mentioned. Um, but yeah, this, you know, it's kind of a rough watch for me because I was there that night at the Ford Theater and it's a rough night. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, of course, you know, dives full into the character, even, uh, speaking, speaking a different way and uh, all that. Uh, and it's a well-made movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scully? Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I had no idea it was actually based off a book, so I'm, I'm going to have to, to check that book out. It's a great book. Uh, but yeah, it, this is my number two of that year, I think, but I still absolutely love everything about it. All the performances are, 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 are killer. I mean, e- even Jared Harris as Ulysses S. Grant just absolutely kills it in the small amount of screen time that he has. Uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's a great story of one of the most monumental in, uh, inner workings of our government ever, and I, the coolest part is seeing Spader's character and, and his and, and his people kind of just lobby for votes for the th- for the Thirteenth Amendment, and you think it's kind of crazy. Like this is what these guys had to go to just to abolish slavery, and it's it's it, it's nuts. Um, and of course, Day Lewis deserved the Oscar. He deserved it the second he put on the top hat. Um, but yeah, it, it, this movie's incredible. I'm um, glad that it, 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 it made it on this list now that I know it's based off the book. 
Mm-hmm. And Skull, I know you got to hop off soon, so if you need to do that, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'll see you guys later. Thank you very much, right. Scully. Uh, Payson. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I've only seen it once uh, when my dad took me to go see it. And uh, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis can act. Uh, I watched uh, Last Mohicans today for the first time, and yeah, he's a very good actor. But uh, when you look at the cast of this movie, I didn't realize this as a kid, like, stacked cast. Like, you have Hal Holbrook in this movie, you have Jackie Earl Haley in this movie, you have uh, Tim Blake Nelson in this movie. It's pretty crazy. And uh, like Kirk said, I think one of the reasons I really enjoy it is it's not really about Lincoln. It's more so about trying to get the 13th Amendment um, written and uh, certified, and uh, which I just think makes for a super, super interesting story. Garth, knowing you were there on the day of Lincoln's assassination is pretty crazy now to know that there are two members of this community that played a hand in an assassination of a president, but uh, I think that's pretty, pretty cool. I, I just want to say, I, had I was, I was just there for the play. I, I was so. there for oh. JFK, but I had nothing to do with Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, now we'll go to Payson. Payson, your second pick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about the other, my other favorite movie I saw this week. Uh, we're talking about Hannibal Lecter with a K. Uh, I'm picking Manhunter. Uh, I think Manhunter is a super, super cool and amazing thriller. Like, I love the way how Michael Mann takes uh, this story, which uh, could totally be done as a super, um, like, super well-refined, like, procedural. And I'd still probably enjoy it. But the style he puts to this movie is incredible. Like, the Tangerine Dream score of just going through just, like, the cities of, like, uh, Florida, um, searching for um, William Peterson. I just love how he plays the character of Will Graham, of just this disgruntled, like, just tired detective. Um, Tom Noonan as the uh, killer. Um, I believe his name is the Tooth Fairy Killer. Um, so, so creepy. Like, so unsettling in this movie. I have not seen Red Dragon, so I don't know how Ray... And Ray Fiennes, I think, could probably pull it off as well. But I just think Tom Noonan is so good in this movie. And I just love how this movie takes, like, these super dramatic moments and pairs them with, like, these super, like, simple moments in someone's life. Like, there's a scene that Will Graham has where he's just talking to his kid about, like the dangers of life while they're just shopping for cereal. And it's like, damn, this is a movie. And yeah, I just, I just love, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I just love how Michael Mann directed it. Yeah. Uh, this, this is good. I think this is one of those movies that will probably always be overshadowed by the silence of the lambs. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the, I, I do think this is a really well-made movie. Brian Cox is so Mm-hmm. It's a more it's a more aggressive Hannibal Lecter, I feel like, than Anthony Hopkins, who's more cold and calculating. Brian Cox just feels very like he's like Hannibal is er, Hopkins is toying with you. Cox is poking at you. Yeah. He is he is absolutely just he wants you to know that he's got his hooks in you. And I think that's really fascinating. Uh, yeah, really well done. Noonan's creepy. 
excellent film. Uh, you'll never hear the song uh, in the garden in the Garden of Eden the same way oh. again. Iron Butterfly, like ooh, um, Scully. Yeah, I I didn't want to mess up the actual title. I I know that it's not called in the Garden of Eden, but the the guy even admitted that it was supposed to be called in the Garden of Eden, and he just wrote down gibberish because he was so drunk. Uh, Garth. Also, the Simpsons parody is in the Garden of Eden. So. Yeah. <laughs> in the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly. <laughs> but yeah, I saw this when it came out, and and uh, uh, I was a big fan of Miami Vice and, and Man's uh, directorial style, and I really enjoyed this. And it actually got me to read the books, and I, I really love all the books. Uh, and Brian Cox, uh, underappreciated, I think. You know, when you talk about Hannibal, of course, everyone talks about Hopkins, but uh, Brian Cox, I really love his performance in this. And uh, William Peterson uh, is always great. Um, and it's it's a wonderful adaptation. And, you know, uh, uh, they, they remade it, of course, with the Red Dragon. Uh, but, but I prefer this version. Fair enough. Kirk? Uh, yeah, Pace, I love that you went in this direction with it. Uh, in a vacuum, is Science of the Lambs technically a better movie? Almost definitely. But is Michael Mann the better director for this story? In my opinion, yes. Um, I really like Science of the Lambs. Like I said, I think it might be a better movie. But I just think that this movie has some sharper edges that Science of the Lambs is missing. Um, and I think just on a like a visceral level, I enjoy this one a lot more. Um, yeah, and I, I love. I mean, obviously Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins, but Brian Cox is great as Hannibal Lecter. His turnout is so good. And I, I, honestly, I think that we get Hopkins' performance because he had to do something so different from what uh, what Brian Cox did. Um, they're both great, but I love Brian Cox. That is fair. Uh, well, Kirk picked a nonfiction book. I'm also going to be picking a, a movie based on a, a nonfiction book. Uh, I'm going with uh, one of my, my favorite movies of the 2010s. Uh, I'm going with a film based on a book called uh, The Big Short Inside the Doomsday Machine. I'm going with The Big Short. Uh, I, I think that, look, this movie isn't for everyone, right? I get it. If you don't, if it is Adam McKay going full in with a lot of his style, and I think that you can find a lot of the strengths of the Big Short are still in a lot of his lesser work later, specifically Don't Look Up, uh, but just not done to the same amount of. I, I think that uh, Holtzman has said it best. Yes. Don't Look Up in the Big Short are both movies that attempt to over-explain things. It's just the big short needed to be explained. Um, I think that the big short is a, a really well-done film. I, I like the way that McKay breaks down these bigger concepts. I think that the three ways that he does it is really fun. I love the the four different subplots going on. Like I love, love Bale, 
with no one believing him. I love Ryan Gosling and and him just kind of being like the ultimate salesman. I love his pitch to Front Point with the Jenga blocks. Like that's such a cool scene. I love Front Point with Steve Carell and uh, Rafe Spall. Uh, Rafe Spall and Jeremy Strong and Hamish Linklater. I think they're all great. And uh, the the Brownfield stuff, Brad Pitt is great. I I, I love I love the ending of this movie because I love how this movie is able to basically convey the passage of time through its editing of like basically just showing you images of pop culture moments to get you in the mood of okay this is where we are. Like, this is what was happening at this time. And this is what you were thinking about and enjoying while all this was going on underneath the surface that no one was noticing. And I think that's a really clever play. Uh, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's super well written. Uh, Garth. Uh, I have not read the book or seen the movie. Fair enough. Kirk. Um, yeah, I've seen the movie once. I do need to rewatch it. I liked it. I think it's good. Um, it's definitely the best, like, late McKay uh, movie. Uh, I think he's less angry about this topic than he is about the subjects of his other movie, his other later movies. Um, and that shows because he still kind of has, like, a sense of humor and is having fun with this, where the other movies are kind of joyless. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's solid. I think the performances are great, and I think everybody, like... He the cast is so good, like Steve Carell, just like him, like you know, kind of coming to terms, you know, watching him come to those realizations. He's, I think, he's just the perfect guy to put in that spot. Um, but like I said, I, I don't, there's a lot I don't remember about because I only saw it the one time. I do want to revisit though, because I know there was a lot of uh, you know, moving parts there that were interesting. Payson, yeah, uh, like Kirk, I've only seen it the one time. I actually saw this on my 18th birthday, and it was a really fun way to uh, celebrate it. But, uh, yeah, I I really like this movie. I don't like it as much as I think you do, Boatman. But I do... I don't really know many people who do like this movie as much as okay. I... Uh, but, yeah, I really do want to uh, rewatch it. I love Carell in this movie. Like, all the attention Carell got for Foxcatcher, I kind of wish he would have gotten for this movie, because I do think this is the better performance. Just how angry that character is, and I think just how, like, secretly guilty he kind of feels, because he knows a part of himself plays into what's going on, I think is excellent, and, uh... Uh, as many people know, I really love a good uh, closing needle drop, and any movie that closes with the best Led Zeppelin song gets a thumbs up in my book. This this movie has an underrated soundtrack. I okay. will say that. Like you get Gnarls Barkley crazy in there. Mm-hmm. We Child of Mind. Uh, uh, Feel Good Ink by the Gorillas is in this. Like this this this, this soundtrack doesn't get enough credit. It's a really good soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Now we go over to. Uh, Payson, you've already made your pick, right? I believe it's just yes. Garth. You get to make Gully gone. I I got my order all mixed up a little bit. Garth, go ahead, take us home. All right. Uh, well, Kirk didn't pick one I thought he was going to pick, and I'm tempted to go with it, but uh, uh, I instead I I still might go with even though we've already talked about it. Uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go with Blade Runner. Is that is that allowable? 
Boat's not your dad. I'm not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I always say. There's no allowed or not allowed. Like, like your pen. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just I, I really wanted to, to bring this one up, uh, even though we've already talked about it. Uh, I read it when I was a kid, and uh, you know, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep uh, by Philip K. Dick, and uh, very unique story. Uh, and then when the movie came out, and it was totally different from the book, uh, they keep character names and the basic plot of replicants and, and uh, artificial life and stuff like that. But for the most part, 90% of the movie is totally different. Uh, but, you know, as, as we've already discussed, the, the, the directing uh, it, it, by Ridley Scott is brilliant in this. All the special effects and stuff uh, still hold up. And, uh, you know, the, the noir feel of it. And the, the question of is he a replicant himself or not? And... Some of the different cuts, you know, address that uh, in different ways. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a brilliant movie, and uh, I wanted to include it. Uh, yeah, uh, I I'll, I'll just you know we like to talk, we talk a lot about like great one scene performances, uh, and one person who I want to shout out. I think he's only in like one scene, maybe it's one or two scenes. I really like M. Emmett Walsh in this movie. Like he's as as the guy who like just kind of gives Decker the assignment. I think he is yeah. so good. He is so good. We don't give MM at Walsh enough credit for for being just one of the best character actors around. Like he's great in everything. I love him in this. I already talked about everything I like about Blade Runner, but that's just the one little cheer on top of the Sunday. MM every every movie should have a great MM at Walsh performance. Yeah, and it's, it's that standard, like, the boss calling in the detective, you know, like, hey, you gotta you gotta do your job. M. Emmett Walsh smiling. Like, there's... I don't know how he does it, but when he smiles and laughs, you, like, are a little bit uncomfortable, and that's exactly what you need. Uh, Payson? You're muted, by the way. We don't talk enough about Daryl Hannah in this movie. Daryl Hannah is really good as Pris. She is creepy as, as uh, shit. Uh, yeah, this movie is amazing. I love it. Uh, it's incredible. Kirk? Yeah, I'll second all the Emmett Walsh stuff. Uh, well, I was watching Mikey and Nikki the other night, and he pops up as a bus driver for like five seconds. Like, oh, it's always exciting to see him. He's one of those guys, like, he might be in a movie for 10 seconds. He may be the, a main character, but he's always fun. Um but no, I will say the, the one thing I will say about this, and I talked about a little bit uh, uh, first go around about the different you know cuts and everything, and that is one thing that frustrates me. It's there are some the one cut like it pretty much spells out he's a replicant. Some of them are a little more you know murky about it, and that's the one frustrating thing about this movie as a whole to me is like there's not a set mythology. Like when we talk about Blade Runner. Which one are we talking about? Because, and like I said, I don't even know which one is which anymore. But it's like there's no collective story that we can all just sit down and we're talking about this. Like, you know, when you say, I love Blade Runner, you could be talking about a lot of different things. So that's the one frustrating thing about this to me. I wish there was like one codified final, and I think, I think there is actually a final cut. The final cut. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, is it, is it any more, you know, 
meaningful than any of the other cuts. Um, I, I, what I mean by that is I wish there was one we were all settled on. We're like, yeah, this is it. We're going to get rid of the rest of them. Whatever, whatever you like, whatever you don't, it doesn't matter. This is Blade Runner. And at least that way we have to talk about. That's fair. I, I, I think I've only actually seen the final cut is the only one. I don't know I if I've seen them all or not, to be honest with you. I think that's the one that's on streaming, or at least, yeah. like, that's the one. Usually, yeah. yeah. Usually, and that's also the one I own. So I have only seen the final cut. Uh, so I can't even, I, I know vaguely the differences, but yeah. other than that, I can't even tell you that. Yeah, the final like, cut's the one that ends with the scenes from The Shining. Uh, what Ridley Scott needed scenes of uh, uh, hillside and stuff from oh, helicopter, yeah. and so he like he he got you know yeah. like Kubrick shot so much he used this footage. Well, anyway, uh, that's it for that. Uh, the picks that we had tonight were To Kill a Mockingbird, Clockwork Orange, Adaptation. High Fidelity, Princess Bride, How to Train Your Dragon, Lincoln, Manhunter, The Big Short, and Blade Runner. But before we go, we got to talk about After Hours. Uh, no one here has talked about this on the show this month yet, correct? I have not. As, is everyone good to talk about it, or did anyone not get a chance yep. to watch it? Okay, good, good. Uh, well, uh, Garth, let's start with you. Thoughts on After Hours? Uh, yeah, uh, I saw this when it came out, and it's very weird. And of course, uh, as everyone can say, it's it, you wouldn't think it's Martin Scorsese when you watch it. Uh, it's it's way out of his wheelhouse. Uh, it's very weird. Uh, for me, I think I I like it more if it pulled back a little on the weirdness, like the the whole uh, street mob hunting him down and searching places and stuff went a little over the top for me. I mean, the whole movie is weird and uh, a lot of coincidences, but uh, that just went a little over the top for me. Uh, uh, but but for the most part, it's a, a very cool movie. Uh, the, the other critique I have is a guy in New York relying on public transportation only has $20.97 uh, in his, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Really, that's all you got on you? All right, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a cool movie. I mean, inflation has something to do with that because don't they yeah. say the subway fare is just like a buck fifty or something? Yeah, like it goes up from like a dollar yeah, dollar yeah, dollar but taxis yeah. are more and, and yeah. but I mean, fair for twenty bucks would have gotten there. But yeah, uh, what so what do you give this out of five, Garth? Uh, I gave this three and a half. Three and a half, Kirk. Um, yeah, I like this movie a lot. Um, I think it's, I said in my review, it's basically like a, a fairy tale via Martin Scorsese. Um, just like with that, you know, all the weirdness and all the, the coincidences, like Garth was saying. Um, I, Griffin Dunn's really good. And he's just such an interesting, like, time capsule actor where, like, he, he like, came out, like, he was, like, a ton of stuff in the 80s. And then he disappeared, and, like, you, like after 90, you don't really see him again. Um, so just fun to watch for that kind of like historical perspective. Um, and I love the, the, um, the supporting cast, uh, especially the appearance by Dick Miller. And I like the Dick Miller's in it cause that's a connection to, uh, Roger Corman. And it's hard. It's easy to forget that Martin Scorsese came up under Roger Corman. Cause you don't see a lot of that influence, especially in his later work. But I think this is the most Corman esque movie Scorsese made 
with that, like I think this the, the, the protagonist is very much a uh, Corman type of protagonist. Uh, protagonist like the ne'er-do-well he's not you know he's not super likable like you know he, he does some pr- rather despicable things but you're you sympathize with the situation maybe more than the character and just that whole height reality and you know the, the ridiculousness of it kind of feels like a corman movie to me um so that's a lot of fun too so it is a different um a different you know uh, scorsese than a lot of his other movies uh but it's not a da- uh, bad difference and it's a like fun little addition to his filmography Mm-hmm. Pace. Oh, what do you give it out of five, Kurt? I give it a strong three and a half. I forget you're you, so I have to do the do the. It's 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 it, 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 it's about, it, it could it could easily go up to four stars. It's it's right one of those ones in the middle. That, that's fair, but yeah, I, I have to do the conversion rate in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but Kirk three and a half is like, ooh, solid Rick. <laughs> I, I had to do the, the conversion rate in my head. They, we, we need to figure out well, like what the exchange rate, like from, <laughs> from Kirk's to, to Payson's to, to Mike's. That's like dollars to pesos, man. That's the, you're yeah. a completely different world there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Payson. Yeah, uh, I think I'm probably going to be a little more... Uh, Positive on it that uh, Garth and Kirk, uh, I adore this movie, and getting to watch it a second time was so so much fun. Uh, Scorsese really doesn't do comedies all too well, but I think the comedic moments he has in his other films, I think, are great. Like I always come back to the um, um, Secret Service interview in Taxi Driver. I think is low key one of the funniest movie scenes of the seventies. But yeah, just every single thing he does in this movie like man like like kirk said paul hackett is not the most likable guy in the world but i think by the end it's kind of hard not to feel bad for him in a way just how everything just keeps spiraling out of control um when he meets terry gar who plays the waitress and he thinks like yeah i'm just gonna be nice to you and then it turns out she's crazy as well and just sticks this whole mob on him um your heart, you, I, yeah, it's the, the second he leaves um, Rosanna Arquette's apartment for the first time, after the date goes really uh, crappily, your heart never stops. Like, you are constantly just like, oh my gosh, come on, come on, just, the, he can't afford the subway, um, he wants, uh, he tries to get help from John Hurt, and John Hurt says, yeah, just go do this thing, and then he realizes, well, shit, now I'm involved in this, um, suicide because they think i'm a murderer um low-key super uh, underrated moment i didn't catch him the first time but i love when he's running away from the mob he sees a murder in another apartment just does is not connected to the movie but he just sees a wife killing a husband and he's like probably gonna get blamed for that it's so so good um and just cheech and chong's just like involvement in this movie i also really love how like you constantly come back to them that they're kind of the reason why why his life is a hell this night and i think tim mentioned it but yeah the the ending beat of this movie where it ends the perfect way i man this movie is so good i think on two watches i can say this is this is definitely a top 100 it might be a top 50 of all time like it, it it's my it goes goodfellas king of comedy after hours 
I adore this movie with all my heart. I it's it's a five star movie, and it's my favorite movie we watched for Loved It so far. I love this movie. I might be wrong because The Departed might be above After Hours. I'm not sure. I, I need to look at my top 100, but like that's my top. Okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like exact, like good villains, yeah. game comedy. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if I have After Hours or Departed higher, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's five, five, five. Yeah, five. Yeah, it is a five star movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you to Garth, Kirk, and Payson. Before we go, uh, next week we have best directors working today. We do have a full panel for that. Be sure to check that one out. And then a uh, week after that, movie pets, and there's one spot open if you want to be on that. So uh, be sure to message either myself or Tim Bercala if you don't want to be on movie pets. But thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, be sure to keep watching all our stuff here on Multiplex. Have a good one. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening.